JD and Kathleen about kind of players that you see live in United and stuff. I was actually in Old Trafford on Sunday for the first time in a long time, but right. unfortunately, unfortunately, no kind of um, performances that might live in the memory that stand out. The atmosphere, the atmosphere at Old Trafford gets criticised the odd time, but it's uh, I'm sure for games like that where there's a bit of a uh, you know a juice behind Newcastle, especially now, it uh, it adds to it a little bit. Yeah, I was behind the goal, kind of where at the end, the opposite end to the Stratford end, so the Newcastle fans were in the corner making plenty of noise. I actually didn't think the the atmosphere was too bad. But I, I was a bit like a child, like I hadn't been to a Premier League game and I don't get to go to many games as a supporter or whatever anymore just with the job. Um, so I was like a kid at the playground. I was absolutely just loving the the atmosphere and stuff. I wouldn't say it was like incredibly hostile or t- intimidating. Two o'clock on a Sunday afternoon probably isn't ideal either. But um, yeah, pretty good, a pretty good day out besides the, the fact that the match was utterly unforgettable. But you, I was thinking back to just when you, you were talking about Salah, you know, when you saw him live, I think the the, the one player that always stands out to me is seeing Mbappe live. Um, I just had kind of no concept or appreciation for how quick he is off the mark. And I remember I was covering um, back when I used to cover football when Ireland played France in Paris a few years ago. It was just just insane. So um, I went to Old Trafford on Sunday hoping that, I don't know, Sancho or someone like that um, might give me something to remember. But it was uh, pretty forgettable, uh, the stuff on the pitch anyway. You've picked a couple of forgettable games. You were in Connacht last weekend, Kian. <laughs> Yeah, like that. I don't. Yeah, like it, that was weird. That was one for the the purest. I think people would yeah, say. Yeah, forget it was maybe a bit harsh. Yeah, may, maybe I would count myself as a purist as well because it was like tough enough to write, you know, a nine hundred word match report on the on the whistle. But at the same time, you couldn't really take take your eyes off it. Uh, both teams were kind of throwing plenty of punches at each other, and while it might not have been the try fest that you know we'd love to see, I thought there was still plenty in it um, for both teams. Really, actually. Uh, like Connacht, it's it's hard to know. Like, because Leinster, I guess, uh, are the dominant team at the minute. But uh, they were they weren't terrible. Connacht, which sounds like a straight strange thing to say, uh, given that the, they didn't get in the scoreboard whatsoever. But was it? I was listening to the lads on Monday Night Rugby the other night, and they were kind of talking about nine forays into the into the twenty two for Leinster and just couldn't convert. Like, is that is that an issue for them conversion, or do you give some excuse to the fact that the rain started pouring on on a quarter hour and didn't stop? Uh, I don't think the rain can be an excuse like if anyone's used to playing in th- those conditions it's Connacht and the irony was like by the time I arrived in Galway the sun was splitting the stones and it was like a cracking evening and you were looking at this new 4G pitch it looked apart and then sure enough the, the game picked off and the rain came in and the wind picked up so I don't think Connacht will ever use that as an excuse if anything they would see that as an advantage because they're more used to playing it even though it does kind of go against the style of rugby that they're looking to play Um yeah, look, Connacht did a lot of the, the difficult things well, which I think would be the most frustrating part for them. Um, like, I thought the period on half time was pretty much the, the winning and the losing of the game. They were camped on the Leinster line. Leinster were conceding penalties and their mall just got shoved into touch. And that's a pretty kind of unforgivable, unforgivable error at this level. And it kind of just summed up Connacht's wastefulness. They were putting themselves in good positions. And to be fair, Leinster had to defend really well and they did defend really well. So I think if you were coming on here and saying that 
you know, Connacht didn't really fire a shot and Leinster ran over them and were far too physical, uh, which Leinster have done to, to plenty of teams in the past. I think you'd be far more critical. So I think, you know, Connacht have had obviously a very tough start to the season, but I think there were definitely more encouraging aspects in this game than there has been for from other defeats earlier this season. Do you think that tough start to the season to a certain extent prepared them for a game like that against Leinster? Because obviously if Connacht are going to play Leinster, playing them at home on a wet night it's probably what they want and I, I like I was kind of dipping in and out of the match and every time I checked the scoreline I expected Leinster to have run away with it by the time they got that first try but they just never seemed to manage to get it and do you think maybe there was a I know maybe a sharpness is probably the wrong word considering the fact they didn't score but was there a certain element that maybe the last few games have served Connacht well to a certain extent? Yeah, like that's definitely the glass half full approach. I mean, the, the, their start to their season is was disastrous, really. And I just mean the fixture list, and it's been well documented why that happened because the the new pitch wasn't ready, which is just really, really frustrating from an organisational point of view. And even then, when the fixture computer throws throws up games like that, it's it's really, really tough. And even you think back to the the Munster game was in the sports ground, and then the Lens, the Leinster game was last week. So two weekends in a row this early in the season, Connacht have had pretty much, I would say, their two marquee fixtures when it comes to the URC. And, and now they're gone. Obviously, they'll, they'll get to play away. So it's been a really, really tricky start to the season, I would say, on and off the pitch for them. But yeah, maybe it, it did sharpen them up. I, thought, I, I do think they deserve a lot of credit for how well they defended because like you said, Kathleen, they scored a try. Leinster scored a try after I think it was three minutes and you're kind of thinking, okay, the floodgates could could really open here. But you had to wait till the 77th minute when Kieran Frawley came on and kicked a penalty to really give Leinster that slight cushion, if even you can call it that. So I do think Connacht deserve a lot of credit. I think their defence has been a major issue over the last couple of seasons. Pete Wilkins has come on board as head coach and switched back to defence uh, from attack where he was doing last season. So maybe it was just taking a little bit of time to get back to use to, to his methods and stuff. So I think it's encouraging, but it's just, it's so important now that they back up what they did well this week against the Scarlets. And then next week they're going to Ospreys and they're going to finish off this block of games and if they could get two wins over the next two weeks I think the, com- the complexion will look a lot different and you know the, the pain of what they've suffered in the first few weeks of the season will look a lot different but on the flip side if they were to lose to the Scarlets or if they were to lose to the Ospreys as well then Connacht are, are looking at a very very long season but I certainly think they showed enough last week to suggest they can get two wins over the next two weeks. Kian, uh, Andy Farrell names his, uh, his squad for these November internationals later on this afternoon and uh, like I guess the story out of Leinster has been the injuries, look at his five wins from five, as you said, but uh, from last weekend against Connacht, you have Jack Conan with an eye injury, James Ryan knee, Josh Van der Fleer ankle, they'll get further assessment. Um, but then Will Connors, Ronan Kelleher, Harry Byrne all missing out at the minute, and then you have the long-term absentees of, of James Lowe, James Tracy, Charlie Ryan, Gibson Park, Tommy O'Brien. Like, it's quite an extensive list. Um, like Jeremy at the point with, with me before we came on air this morning where he was kind of saying all these injuries could actually play into Andy Farrell's hands to some degree it gives him uh, less of a selection headache but it also gives opportunity for other players who, who mightn't have had the chance to play in November the chance to get some game time yeah, it's a pre- it was a pretty costly um, weekend on the back of like other guys like Jordan Larmer who suffered an injury a few weeks ago. And then, you know, Munster's injury uh, update drops yesterday and there were some big hitters on that as well. So, I mean, my understanding was up until yesterday, Andy Farrell still hadn't even finalised his squad because there were so many doubts over, over players waiting for results of scans and things like that. So it's not ideal. Um, 
my sort of sense of that, like, will it give players a chance? Like, I'm all for that. And I think the the Ireland A game, they'll, they'll play New Zealand the, um, next month, is going to be massively important for that as well. On the back of the Emerging Ireland Tour, which I think we've seen the positives of that. You look at guys like Jack Crowley and Tom O'Hearn have come back into Munster and really hit the ground running. So I think you're seeing a knock-on effect of that. But I don't know. I think with South Africa, first up, I know it's only a November international, but I just think that game is enormous um, for Ireland. Just in terms of building on what they did in the summer, obviously incredible achievement for winning winning a series in New Zealand. But I just I still think there's a few question marks over Ireland when they go up against a team like South Africa, like France, uh, to a certain extent like England with big packs, less so England, but certainly France and South Africa. And for all like that they achieved in the summer, I just don't think that um, that All Blacks pack is on the same level as the Springboks in terms of physicality and stuff. So I would, I really hope that by the time we're nearly three weeks away from the game Saturday, uh, three weeks, two weeks, I should say. So I really hope that by the time the game, that game comes around, it's not a kind of patched up um, Ireland team because I think it's a massive, massive test to see where they are. They're going to play South Africa in the World Cup pool stages next year as well, which is obviously going to be an incredibly tough task. So I think like if Ireland were playing with a patched up team and I, I also think, I, I also hope by the way, that the Springboks have a full team. I would just love to see Ireland and the Springboks going to head full-blooded just to see where Ireland stand because for all that the Springboks might get criticised for their style of play, it's bloody effective and it's it's been exactly what Ireland have struggled against in the past. So um, I think it's massive for the psyche of this team. I think if they were to, like I said, to build on winning a series in New Zealand by beating the world champions in Dublin, that would really set them up well. And I think then, like I said, you have the A game against the New Zealand 15, whatever they're calling it, the All Blacks 15, Fiji, you'll absolutely see guys come in. Like I just mentioned a couple of them there, like the likes of Tom O'Hearn, Jack Crowley, maybe Kieran Frawley, another one kind of in the mix. And then Australia, I think as well, would give you more scope than then South Africa first up. So it's almost a pity that the box are, are first and not at the back end of November to give guys extra time to, to recover. Yeah, like some of the some of the names like RG Sneman, uh, Keith Earls, Conway, Zebo, all, all carrying knocks for for Munster. We get criticised sometimes for uh, focusing on Munster uh, first off when they're doing badly, and then kind of putting them back to the bottom of the the pecking order when they're doing well. So we should mention the the win against the Bulls, thirty one seventeen, played well uh, and and probably an important win for them as well, especially when they have, as you mentioned, the Aviva coming up this Saturday against Leinster. Um, where are they at at the minute? Because, you know, if, if they do lose these couple of games, even before the November internationals, it's back to, I guess it's back to all the negative talk. It was a massively important win. Um, lots of lots of impressive aspects to it. I think, I, before I go any further, I would caveat by saying I thought the Bulls were, were really poor, really disappointing, a, a kind of a shadow of the side that beat Leinster in the semi-final last year. But that's absolutely nothing got to do with Munster. Munster probably made them look poorer than what they were as well. So I think they deserve huge credit. I think for, you know, we've seen very, very few glimpses of the attacking shape and what Munster are trying to do here and there over the first few games of the season. But while it was by no means perfect, it was far more evident what they were trying to do, looking to play to edges. And I think so so much of that came about from the fact that they were just far better in contact. Like that's been a major issue. Even going back into preseason, their two defeats in preseason, it was a major issue. Just kind of falling off tackles and not being kind of at the pitch where they need to be. And the coaches have been pretty honest about this as they have been, to be fair, about their struggles. Like no one is kind of shying away from it. But 
I think a lot of that came down to the fact that they're trying to load the players with so much in, new information in terms of like game plans, strategies, you know, shapes, um, defensive systems, things like that, where I think the basics in terms of, you know, work rate or around the breakdown and things like that maybe got a little bit lost. And I think that's why a lot of people, including myself, have been so critical because kind of those prerequisites just haven't been at the standard that you'd expect of any team, let alone a team like Munster. So I think when you start to see that, come to fruition which you did a lot of times last week you can see how effective they can be like I said they, they they weren't exactly firing on all cylinders but it was very encouraging to see them playing to the edges and that's exactly what Mike Prendergast wants to do I mean you saw Jack Crowley come on in the second half playing off Joey Carberry the two playmakers I thought was really encouraging Shane Daly is another guy who will be very hopeful of making the Ireland squad later today I thought he made a difference at fullback and Joey Carberry played with a lot more freedom than he has done against a team who were, you know, coming hard at the line and he took a lot of big hits. Uh, a couple of them were fractionally on, you know, on, on the side of being late. And that's kind of the, the issue Joey Carberry's had in the past that those kind of opposition teams have kind of left him with broken arms and things like that. But I thought he, he was really robust and he, he looked like Joey Carberry's at his best when he's playing with a swagger and he just had so many injuries that, I imagine his confidence has been dented. I just don't know how it can't be when your body just hasn't been, you know, serving you as it should be. So, and another thing about, you know, it's the fact there's so much expected of Joey Carberry when he's playing with Munster, but when you're playing behind a pack, which he has been a lot, that's getting beaten up and going backwards. It's very difficult for any out half to, to be dictating matters. So like you could have, you could have Johnny Sex, you'd have Dan Carter in your prime playing behind that Munster pack at times over the last few years and they would struggle as well. So I thought there was lots of encouraging aspects, Shane, to be honest, but at the same time, I don't think uh, any realistic supporters and I absolutely don't think the players or the the coaches will be getting ahead of themselves, especially not when you look at what's coming on Saturday. I was just about to ask, where does that leave them then for this weekend? Because obviously two teams in two very different positions, although maybe some of the injuries in Leinster might give Munster a bit of cause for hope? Yeah, maybe. I just think Munster's injury list is pretty heavy as well. And I think with, you know, guys like Ty Byrne and Craig Casey, um, it would have been like, hopefully he's fit. We're waiting to hear an update on Craig Casey, but it would have been fascinating to see if he was fit. Was he going to start this weekend? Because that would have told a lot, I think, about the direction Munster are heading in. And, you know, you kind of touched on it there earlier, Shane, like Jameson Gibson Park has a hamstring injury, hasn't played yet this season. And that is a big concern uh, going into November. I'd imagine he'll probably still be named in the squad. I'd imagine Andy Farrell is going to give, you know, as many of his frontliners every chance to prove their fitness in time for that Springboks game. But just say uh, Jameson Gibson Park, um, who, by the way, has become so important to the way Ireland play. Let's say he was out for the Springboks game, who starts at scrum half. So uh, I think Craig Casey will be doing everything he can to prove his fitness, even for this weekend. But to go back to your question, Kathleen, I think if guys are carrying knocks, I wouldn't be surprised if, if they're sat out for this weekend. So while Leinster could be missing, you know, Josh van der Fleer, say, for example, or James Ryan, who both picked up the injuries last week, Jack Cohen and got a cut in his eye, they might be sat out this weekend. But you, on the flip side, you might have, um, like I said, Craig Casey and Ty Byrne, Edwin Adogbo, who's been a revelation since Munster breaking into the team. He's also carrying an injury, Stephen Archer. So I think it just depends on how guys come through the week because I, I talked about, you know, two full teams in terms of Ireland and South Africa going head to head. But certainly the mood music at the early part of the week doesn't seem like we're going to see two full strength uh, Munster and Leinster teams this weekend, which is a pity. Yeah, and that, that Craig Casey point uh, to, to replace Gibson Park potentially is something that I know Gordon Darcy was uh, offering as well on, on Monday Night Rugby, which, which is an interesting point. And yeah, as you said, hopefully his, uh, his fitness issues can, can go behind him. Um, 
know that we should just finally touch uh, Kean on, on, on Ulster because they're 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 exciting to watch. Um, look very leaky in the defence, but they score a lot of tries as well. They had that thirty nine thirty seven win over the Lions at Ellis Park at the weekend. Michael Lowry, man of the match. Um, is he someone who can now really target these November internationals? I know, as we said, Keenan is still a doubt. So it's going to be a big few weeks for Michael Lowry. Yeah, it is. Um, I still think that, you know, backup fullback slot is very much up for grabs. I think they they tried to have a look at it uh, over the summer. Um, if I'm being honest, I didn't think Michael Lowry took his chances in the Maori game over the summer. I was actually a little bit disappointed because I'm a massive fan. And you can see you touching it there, Shane, what he brings to the Ulster attack. But I felt like it was a bit of a missed opportunity for him. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how the coaches look at that. I, my sense is that Hugo Keenan will be fit for the South Africa game. Um, if he doesn't, play against Munster this weekend I'd be surprised not to see him maybe feature uh, in Leinster's game next week before they go into camp so that'll be one to to keep an eye on Jimmy O'Brien is another guy he's done He's done well this season. He did really well in the rain in Galway last week. Um, but yeah, Michael Lowry was outstanding last, last week. Look, we all know what he's capable of. And on his debut, he scored two tries and passed off the, the hat-trick for James Lowe. And most other people would have absolutely grabbed that with, with both hands. He's a really popular guy in amongst the squad. So um, his, Ulster, his Ulster form is unquestionable. I just think he'll have a, a couple of regrets about how the summer went for him. But look, he's so young. Um, I'd imagine he'll be, he'll be right in the frame. And the fact that he did start the, the Maori games um, makes me think that Farrell is probably looking at him as the backup to Hugo Keenan but it's certainly a position um, that's up for grabs and you touch on the Ulster attack I and mean, you see you know Robert Balakoon was one of the guys who went in the Emerging Ireland Tour and probably the one guy who you would have looked at and said did he really kind of need to go on that because I think he is within touching distance of breaking into that Ireland team I'd be shocked if if he can stay if he can stay fit I'd be shocked if he's not right in there come the come the first game of the World Cup next year his issue has been injuries at really unfortunate times he was supposed to go on the, the plane to New Zealand picked up an injury in Ulster's last game of last season so he's a guy who we all know what he's capable of but you can you saw him again coming in off the emerging iron and he was bouncing with with confidence and excitement as well so i still think there's a few question marks you kind of touching the chain over Ulster's defense and in particular their front five ian henderson is another guy who we haven't mentioned in terms of being injured when the ireland squad gets named he hasn't played this season since he picked up a new injury in new zealand as well and i still think they're they're quite reliable on him and when it comes to the crunch and this is going to be a big game this weekend against the sharks particularly because you'd imagine their Springboks, who a lot of them were on the bench last week are going to be starting this week so you look at like etzabet and khaleesi just a, a monstrous pack so that is where ulster's achilles heel has been for the last few years so if they could beat the Sharks this weekend, I think it would be a massive feather in their cap going forward for the rest of the season. Yeah, for sure. And uh, look, we'll, we'll keep a close eye on Andy Farrell's squad announcement this, this afternoon as well. Kian Gritsoff, as always, thanks a million. Cheers, guys. Chat to you later. OTB AM with Gillette in association with Movember. Effortless shave, magnificent mode.